0: Welcome to the
1: Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. I am Beth Schenk, host of the podcast, along with our guest host, Dr. Shanda Demarest, who is interviewing nurse climate champions around the world. Today, Shanda speaks with two climate nurses, Rachel Kerr and Jill Aquino, both of whom have found their way to living purposeful lives true to their commitments and ways of caring in the world. Enjoy. Good day, everyone. Shanda Demarest here, uh, reporting for the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. We are on session number eight of the Nurses Climate Challenge series. The spring is flying, and I have two terrific guests that I'd like to introduce today right off the bat. Dr. Rachel Kerr currently works as the Energy Program Director at EarthWorks. She holds a Doctor of Nursing Practice degree from the University of Minnesota, also my alma mater, um, and most recently managed programming focused on environmental health, environmental justice, health equity, and anti-racism with the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, sponsoring org of this podcast, of course. And Rachel is an oncology nurse by background. We are also joined today by Jill Aquino. Jill is a Renaissance woman. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology, a nursing degree, uh, and she also has her master's in nutrition. And Jill's background is in pediatric and child adolescent psych nursing. And she served as a school nurse at Newton High School in New Jersey for over 16 years. Uh, in June, this is interesting, in, in June 2021, she left her school nursing role to follow her true passion, environmental health nursing. So I invited Rachel and Jill to join me today so I could learn more about their unique advocacy efforts as climate nurses. Welcome.
0: Thanks, Shanda. Great to be here. Thank
1: you so much, Shanda. I'm very excited. Me too. All right, let's get going. So Dr. Kerr, Rachel, I've known you a long time, dear friend. Um, You're one of the very first climate nurses I ever met. And I've been a special recipient of much of your inspiration by learning about your story. And I'd love for you to share that with folks listening in today as well. So let's start there, uh, your story. And if you feel comfortable, I'd like to invite you to tell it. Like more formally using some of those core storytelling principles as an example of how others can craft the language of their own
0: journey. Yeah, thanks so much Shanda. So this is a prepared spoken word story and here goes. Every nurse has a patient we never forget. In 2006, I care for David, age 19, a talented black artist with leukemia. He grew up in Louisiana, close to a chemical plant leaking toxic benzene. We call the region Cancer Alley. In hospital, treatment complications come. Soon after, relapse. I hold his soft warm hand through the pain. I wipe beads of sweat from his feverish brow, but, I cannot step back in time and stop the leaking benzene, planting the seeds of cancer in his childhood. I'm David's nurse when he dies at 19. I hold his mother. Wrenching grief shakes her body, our bodies. Fast forward to 2008. Hurricanes fueled by the warming climate strike Houston After Hurricane Ike, no electricity, three weeks of 100 degrees with no air conditioning. In my belly, a baby squirms as my heart, weakened by the heat, gallops out of rhythm, struggling to pump my blood, our blood. Like many sufferers, many witnesses of suffering, I ask why, the answer? environmental disasters, preventable disasters. How can I, a nurse, heal the pain of these disasters? Answers emerge. I envision a new nursing practice, healing the wounded relationship between humans and the natural world. I am an earth care nurse. I now work alongside many, transforming society towards environmental and climate justice. Our movement is thriving. We are powerful. We are many. We plant seeds of healing across the planet, our planet. How will you plant healing where there is suffering? So that's my story. Thanks for that.
1: Rachel, thank you for taking us there. Um, Thank you also for the remarkable demonstration of core storytelling skills. And I I recall you sharing, um, learning about those during a storytelling workshop during your previous role um, as as program manager of the Environmental Health Nurse Fellowship at Annie. And of of course I have follow-up questions about your story and what you're up to now, but first, is there anything you can tell us about the storytelling process? Um, what makes personal narrative such a compelling way to communicate at this intersection of climate and health? And do you have any recommendations for ways for
0: folks to learn more at all? Yeah, I do. Um, the first thing I would say to that is that our brains are wired to experience the world through story um, and to connect with each other through story. And story is is, for me, and for many, um, a far more meaningful way to engage with information um, as opposed to simply presenting facts. Um, And this particular story I began crafting in graduate school um, and continued during my position at Annie um, through an Acumen storytelling course. The company is called Acumen. And they put on this workshop that was just fabulous. Um, And it was a free workshop. And I and a couple other staff members took it together. Um, And I think one of the biggest pieces, most important pieces I learned through that was to make it as short as possible and use those bullet phrases, like quick phrases um, in the storytelling, because I wanted to like include lots of flowery language but that's not really impactful um, when you're telling a story verbally. Um, it is if you're reading a story, but telling story verbally is different. So I learned that through the course. Um, and so I would encourage folks to, yeah, check out Acumen storytelling course or really any other storytelling workshop or course. Um, just, just gaining those skills around storytelling is so, so important in communicating your message. I
1: think I need to check that out, Um, and we'll include a link as well for folks to to investigate. Thank you. So, okay, back to that story. You referenced some major climate events in there, Um, and as many listeners know, our climate is changing as a result of anthropogenic or or human-caused greenhouse gas emissions, Uh, and as I mentioned in your intro, you're now in a new role at EarthWorks tackling those GHG emissions directly. So tell us what it means to be the energy program director at Earthworks.
0: Yeah, so I am super excited to be in this role. It's still quite new. I started a couple months ago, and I direct the energy team. And our work falls into two primary buckets. So the first bucket is slowing and stopping the oil and gas industry infrastructure um, and petrochemical build out. So we we include petrochemical plants um, when we talk about oil and gas industry in that context. Um, And that industry is harming local communities and driving further oil and gas development and extraction, which of course contributes to um, climate disruption. And we have teams on the ground organizing in this work in Pennsylvania and the Ohio River Valley and along the Texas and Louisiana Gulf Coasts. And then the second bucket of our work is going directly to the point of extraction and using specialized cameras that we, um, it's, the practice is called optical gas imaging or OGI. And they actually make visible the invisible methane emissions that are rapidly warming our climate and um, just some context around that so methane is a greenhouse gas that's 86 times more powerful than carbon dioxide at warming the planet and we know that emissions of methane are vastly underestimated this is a much worse problem than, than has been quantified and shown Um, And stopping methane pollution is the figurative low hanging fruit in tackling the climate crisis. So we have um, thermographers, so uh, staff members who use these OGI cameras, um, and they work in the field in Texas, New Mexico, the Four Corners indigenous communities, Colorado and Pennsylvania, and, and other states as needed. And we are also extending this work into the international space. And we take these OGI videos, which we call evidence of pollution, and we use them in a variety of ways, including advocating for stronger EPA regulation of methane emissions um, and the oil and gas industry, providing the evidence to local communities and organizations to take action and hold the industry accountable, um, and educating the public and decision makers, as well as filing complaints with regulatory agencies. So, My day-to-day work involves supporting the members of the team I lead in a multitude of ways, uh, which which is really exciting to me because so much of this feels very much like providing nursing care um, in the way that I'm accustomed to doing as a bedside nurse. Um, And tackling tackling environmental injustice and the climate crisis is really tough work and can be demoralizing, And activists, whether paid or unpaid, face feelings of adversity, pain, and futility in their work. Um, And supporting the team and moving through this is just really familiar to me as a nurse. Um, So I am super excited to be part of this wonderful team. Um, It's definitely an honor and, and a wonderful phase in my life. Well, the, the acronyms were unfamiliar to me, ODI. I
1: mean, we're learning more about methane and other GHGs. But what I took out of that is you were doing this work as a nurse, as an earth care nurse. And um, I mean, talk about inspiring opportunities for, for others to way flex outside of the traditional healthcare realm. Um, thank you, Rachel. Yeah, let's, let's come back to some of that a little bit later here. And, of course, we have another critical voice on the line that we need to hear from. Uh, Jill, like Rachel, you have your own journey. So tell us a bit about your story. Like, what was that aha moment uh, connecting health and climate for you? What are the puzzle pieces that you've collected over the years and fit together to, to create Jill Aquino Climate Nurse?
2: Sure. So um, thank you, Shanda. And Rachel, thank you for that story. That was very powerful. And it really tugged at my heartstrings. Um, I, I, Everything you said was really uh, quite amazing. And um, I, I felt like I was in your shoes and, you know, holding the patient and, and the mother and, you know, your story was incredibly powerful. It really resonated. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So my aha moment was um, when the pandemic hit in March 2020, um, I was at home and I was not working any longer in my, um, in my high school. Um, I was physically at home working from home and it occurred to me that I was actually very happy <laughs> being at home away from um, all my roles as the school nurse, the only medical provider in the building. And um, I was volunteering on the um, COVID-19 hotline for the Sussex County Health Department um, in the county that I live in, in New Jersey. And I was absolutely loving my role as a nurse, helping people on the hotline. And I was also uh, doing case investigations for the public health nurses at the county health department. Um, and I had also read an article, um, um, climate challenge, educating health professionals by 2022, uh, written by our own Shanda Demrist here on the podcast, um, along with Beth Shank and Kara Cook. Um, and it really was again, Shanda, that aha moment for me that I was so unhappy in my school nursing position and, um at the time march 2020 it was i i was there 15 and a half years and i had been very unhappy the last six years of those 15 and a half years and i sat my husband down and i said i don't want to do this anymore um i read this article you know climate challenge educating health professionals by 2022 and and this is what i want to do i want to be a nurse Uh, climate champion. I I want to help the environment. I I want to heal the environment. I want to heal the animals and the humans, you know, living, living in the environment that is, that is really struggling. And um, I'm, I'm a pediatric nurse. Um, I'm also a pediatric psych nurse. And I had always felt right from the start of my nursing career that we're not doing enough Um, In a holistic fashion for our planet and for our, our patients. And I remember back in nursing school, you know, over 20 years ago, I remember my nursing professor and I'll never forget her, Dr. DiGiacomo. And she sat me down. She said, you know what? Conventional nursing is just not going to work for you. you. You have too much of an environmental holistic outlook and and conventional nursing is, is not going to work for you. So, so I recommend you look in the holistic environmental realm because that's going to suit you best. And it didn't really... Um, Resonate with me at the time exactly because I was in nursing school and 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 learning, um, you know, some some very significant nursing uh, lessons. And so it, the environmental holistic piece wasn't something that I was being taught at the time in nursing school, well over twenty years ago. And so throughout my nursing career, and especially as a psychiatric, uh, pediatric crisis nurse, one of the things that i just didn't understand was the food that we were feeding our children and our adolescents on the uh, psychiatric locked unit we were feeding them garbage we we're feeding them sugar we we're feeding them you know simple carbohydrates and we were wondering why they were not doing well behaviorally mentally physically um, so we would just pump them you know, full of of psychotropic medications. We we give them intramusculars to quiet them down. We put them in the quiet room, and I and I didn't understand what we were doing or why we were doing what we were doing the way we were doing it. I didn't understand it, and I always said to myself, there has to be a better way. We need to feed these children better. We need to get them outside. We need to get them in nature. And this is something that I've just carried with me for a very long time. And so, in March, 2020 it just made me realize that all of these little lessons that i learned along the way and what my nursing professor had said to me you know as a nursing student i, I Something just clicked in my brain, and it was the pandemic that that made the click for me. I realized uh, we're we're suffering because we're not doing what we need to for the planet and we're not doing what we need to for one another. We're not supporting one another. We're, we're, not, we're not supporting the planet. We're we're taking advantage of the planet, and we're taking advantage of one another. And I, I I said to myself, the 2021 school year will be my last school year as, as the school nurse. And I will go forward in the direction of, of environmental health nursing. And I didn't know exactly where I was going to land. Um, but to me, it didn't matter. It was, it was the journey. It was the um, learning from other environmental health nurses and connecting with people and, and going into an avenue that I knew would feed my soul. And so that's, that's how I got to where I am today. And I have to say... Um, I couldn't be happier being a climate health nurse. I feel like I have um, come to a very firm, solid uh, standing on the ground. And I feel that my voice is being heard. I feel like I'm using my expertise as a nurse. And I don't feel like I was listened to in my school nursing uh, profession at my school. I felt that... Um, my role was not taken seriously by, uh, the administration that were above me. And I felt that I needed to leave my position in order to be heard and use my nursing voice. Thank
1: you. Oh, Jill, which I'm sure took so much bravery. I I mean, I, I certainly aspects of what you just shared there really resonated with me, sticking your neck out, taking a leap. Um, Let's, let's talk more about that. So I often have nurses reach out. I'm I'm sure Rachel, Jill, you you probably both do. um, Folks who are fortunate enough to be in this space, you know, have nurses reach out who are at a variety of education and career stages, who are keen on like making their way as a climate nurse. And like many of us, it sounds like Jill, you've you've had um, to get quite creative to find a fit that's right for you. And you shared with me, um, you know, probably about a year ago now, when you first reached out. And as we've touched base time and again, you've talked about different avenues that you were pursuing. So for folks who are in a place where they're seeking a change and and coming to a few dead ends, or, or maybe aren't quite finding the right role what are your recommendations? Like what outside of the box thinking did you have to do to, to land where you are?
2: That's a, that's a great question, Shanda. Um, so this is, this is interesting. So when I made the decision to leave uh, my school nursing position, I felt very strongly that I needed to hire a job coach because I had not, you know, been in the looking for a new job, uh, um, arena for 16 and a half years, uh, pretty close to that. And so I felt like I was a little um, wet behind the ears and I felt like it was going to be a benefit to me to work with someone who, you know, this is their area of expertise. And one of the things um, that Jen, my job coach, had said to me you have to network, you have to network, you have to network, you have to network, connect with people, connect with people, connect with people. And I am absolutely, I love people. I love to connect with people and I love to network. I have no problem reaching out to anyone. I I, I love to reach out to people. So that was not difficult for me. And really what started my um, networking and reaching out to people was again the the article the the climate challenge educating health professionals by 2022 because what I did Shanda was I reached out to you I reached out to Kara Cook of of Annie Alliance uh, of Nurses for Healthy Environments I reached out to Beth Shank and in reaching out to to you nurses you then guided me as to what you all felt I needed to do in regards to who I needed to reach out to. And so in in getting feedback from you nurses, I then was able to communicate with Dan Quinlan, who is is uh, working with Healthcare Without Harm, and he connected me with uh, Clinician Climate Action New Jersey, which is um, a, a medical environmental group uh, that is that is um, underneath the uh, New Jersey American Academy of Pediatrics. So I'm I'm working with that group, um, and then going. Um, Further into that group, I reached out to specific people, uh, medical professionals in, in that group. And um, what, what enabled me to, to finally land, uh, and I'm just waiting for my start date for my new job, is Dr. Judy Zelikoff is in Clinician Climate Action, New Jersey. And again, I reached out to her and I said, you know, Judy, this, I, I'm struggling a bit with, with trying to find um, my, my exact path and I, I would like a job in the environmental health nursing arena. And um, on February 2nd, she said, Jill, I need a community coordinator uh, for NYU Medical School's um, grant that we've received from NIEH, um, National Institutes of Environmental Health, uh, five-year grant that NYU Medical School was awarded in order to work with the Ramapo Native American Indian tribe in New Jersey on food scarcity. So it, it was, it was this amazing, incredible. Finality to all of my networking and reaching out that I had been doing since before I even left school nursing at the end of June 2021. So, you know, it, it wasn't and hasn't been an easy journey, but it's been a very Blessed and grateful journey for me because I will be eventually working with NYU Medical School um, with the Ramapo Tribe in New Jersey working on food scarcity, and I have a master's in nutrition, so this couldn't be more up my alley, and 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 working with the Ramapo on the reservation. Um, will allow me to literally get my hands dirty. I, I will, and I love to garden. So, you know, nutrition, nursing, um, you know, food scarcity. I, I just, I'm just ecstatic. So um, my, my answer is just keep networking, read articles, reach out to the author of the article, uh, you, you know, Take part in podcasts, take part in trainings, take part in webinars. There have been numerous people that have led webinars or trainings, and I've reached out to them personally. Just don't be afraid. Put yourself out there. I think that's number one critical thing to do if you're trying to get into the environmental health nursing arena is just keep networking, putting yourself out there, and don't ever be afraid. And there are no stupid questions. Just ask them, and you'll be amazed at the answers you get.
1: Thank you. Jill, congratulations on that new role. I mean, I'm hearing you describe the different aspects that you'll be part of and and your your path of yes, the nursing, yes, the nutrition, and, and even the psychiatric mental health aspect, particularly with Um, marginalized populations like when I described you as a renaissance woman um, I meant it and I could not imagine a better fit for this so super excited to see how that will evolve for you over over time Um, and I I also want to pull a little bit on some of those critical networking comments Um, I, I can say for myself that as a nurse I mean even back in nursing school we weren't uh really empowered to network in the same way that other folks within other disciplines may be um rachel i i actually want to remind you of a time when the two of us traveled down to the clean med conference in maybe like mid 2010s in dallas texas and do you remember making business cards
0: Yes, I do. <laughs> do you remember what um, our title was that I think, we made up? I think we said climate care nurse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Jill. We made our own business cards, which you know isn't that
1: unusual. But we also made our own title. I love it. Yeah, and just that's out. great. Um. So so you know, for for listeners who are looking for a change, who are you know, maybe dissatisfied with the positions that they're holding or aren't able to lean as much into the environmental space as they feel they need to. Um, Jill, you provided some terrific recommendations and and we've all, you know, gone down that path. So I think I'd like to shift a little bit, um, Rachel, back to you for, for a moment here. We've heard from you about your story. Jill shared hers um, one thing that strikes me about the two of you uh, that you have in common is your community advocacy and organizing work, and. Rachel, for me, one one photo that comes to my mind is you and Teddy Potter, uh, faculty at the School of Nursing at the University of Minnesota. You were like holding this cardboard cutout of the state of Minnesota at the People's Climate March in New York City, I think. And it said something like, nurses are here. Um, but I know that, that that was just the beginning. So what are a few other aspects of community activism that you've participated in since as a nurse and and that listeners could consider participating in as well.
0: Yeah, thanks, Shanda. I appreciate you bringing back that fond memory um, of being there with Teddy Potter in New York. It was a lovely time. Um, I also wanna be clear and say that I am not an organizer. Um, I have incredibly skilled organizers on my team. Um, And I'm just humbled and honored to be part of that team and be able to work with them. Um, I don't consider myself to have organizing skills necessarily, um, but I do think that really plugging into what's happening in your own community around environmental justice and uh, climate justice is super important. Um, It's important to know what those issues are in your community, because that's what you can speak to. You can speak to your own experience. Um, and also important is to connect with those who are taking action on them. So, you know, find out who the organizations are and get plugged in. Um, and then just a friendly reminder for health professionals that it's really important to let the most impacted speak for themselves and lead the efforts um, and that health professionals um, are there to hold the space and work to secure their resources to make that possible. Um, we just want to make sure that when we're engaging with community work that we don't like co opt the narrative or you know come in as a savior and take over a project um, but, but that we're really there um, as a support and to uplift the work that's already happening because um, I guarantee you there is work happening there um, and I would also say that it's so important to build community with others that share your values and your call to action, Um, kind of alluding to what Jill was referencing earlier. Um, Not just networking, but for me, like hope is built in community um, and hope is found in community. And I've, I've found my own, some meaning myself in working with local chapters of organizations like Interfaith Power and Light um, and also just simply participating in neighborhood environmental efforts um, right in my own street. Yeah, so thanks for that question. Mm,
1: thank you. Yeah, I just heard you say um, Interfaith Power and Light, Jill referenced the uh, a clinician climate action group in her specific state. so so we'll share some of these links for folks to investigate how to how to tap more into community and Get engaged in in whatever aspects of, of organizing and, and community that feels right. So I'll I'll pose the same question to you, Jill, and I have a different photo in mind, um, the one of you standing in front of a yellow school bus advocating for electric buses. And again, I I know that's just scraping the surface. You have a lot to say about this work in particular, but. What are a few other aspects of community activism that you've participated in as a nurse and and that listeners could consider as well?
2: Uh, Great question, Shanda. Thank you for asking that. So I'm very involved right now with um, in in Sussex, New Jersey, um, in Wantage specifically in Sussex County. Uh, Wantage is uh, two or three towns over from where I live. And Tennessee Gas Pipeline, um, they have a fracked gas compressor station that they are trying to expand. Um, and our Sussex County community, we are trying to stop that expansion of the, of the compressor station. There are three schools within, I think one to three mile radius of that, um, compressor station as it stands right now. And the TGP, um, Fract gas pipeline uh, company, they're trying to build a brand new compressor station in the New Jersey highlands in West Milford, New Jersey, which is Passaic County, Um, right in the area where there are two massive reservoirs that feed clean drinking water to millions of New Jersey residents. So I am fighting like heck to um, stop that. I am also working with um, a, a community organization in Newark, New Jersey, uh, in the Ironbound section of Newark, a very, very environmentally overburdened community as it stands already. Um, Passaic Valley Sewer Commission, they are trying to build another gas gas powered plant um, in, in the Ironbound section of Newark. And again, I have joined forces with um, Food and Water Watch um, to and, and, and community organizers in Newark to stop that. Um, there was a huge outcry in January by the Newark community um, to, to, to stop that proposal. And Governor Murphy did put a pause on it, but as of right now, it's just a pause, it's not stopped. So we're, we're working very hard on um, getting that to be stopped and not paused. Um, and one of the things that I feel very strongly when I am in a meeting with, with the, the community organizers um, on this coalition against PVSC is, as a nurse, I always remind my constituents, I am here to support, um, give talking points, etc. But when they had asked me if I would come and speak um, on behalf of the North community, I said, no, they don't want a non-Nork resident, you know, they don't want someone from Sussex County way up Northwest New Jersey to come and speak on their behalf. I said, we need to hear from the community. We need to hear from the people who live there, the people who work there, the people who are impacted by this. You know, I live, I live about mm, uh, 40 minutes to an hour from Newark. They don't want to hear from me. I will be there to support them hundred percent, but, but we need to hear from the people there. And, and also going back to Tennessee, um, Gas uh, fracked pipeline. I am more than happy to speak against that because I live not far from the community. I live in Sussex County. This is this is in Sussex County. So um, I, I think it's very important that when you are um, organizing, um, you need to hear from the community, the people who live and reside are impacted in the community. Thank you, Shanda.
1: Oh, Jill. I mean, you you are. Right in line with what Rachel just said as well, pertaining to environmental justice, climate justice, and, and I get to see the behind the scenes like recording of this zoom call everyone but Jill as you were um, saying. um, You know the importance of locality and and allowing community members to speak from them for themselves. Uh, Rachel, on, on our little Zoom recording, uh, did the, the heart reaction. So um, certainly what, what you are saying resonates with us and, and listeners too. Uh, so as we're closing here in this little speed round, similar to um, you know what we might hear from other podcasts, Jill, I, I want to kick it over to you and ask, what are three media recommendations for nurse climate champions. So readings or podcasts or poetry, music, what's on your mind these days? What are you engaging with? What do you recommend?
2: So because I'm so heavily involved Shanda in, you know, environmental nursing, I have to just take a step back and I have to do good Jill self-care And what I have found for me is stepping away from the environmental nursing realm and going into nature. And I absolutely love birds. Um, My grandmother, my father's mother was a bird lover. When I was a child, I didn't understand it. Um, As an adult, I am absolutely smitten with birds and I think they're just incredible. And the more I learn about them, um, I actually found a podcast, WBU, Wild Birds Unlimited Podcast. And there are two naturalists, John Choust and Brian Cunningham, who speak on, on the podcast. And I have to tell you what I've learned about bird health is so critically important for human health and planetary health. And if we don't have healthy birds, that means we don't have a healthy environment. That means that we humans can't be healthy either. So, So for me, it's really about nature, stepping into nature, what can we do for nature? And and another thing that has really um, resonated for me is forest bathing. I don't know if uh, Rachel or Shanda, either one of you have heard about it uh, or have done forest bathing, Um, but it was started in Japan uh, by a Japanese doctor who was very concerned about The poor health of his patients and the poor health of, you know, many uh, uh, Japanese in general. And he said, we have to go back to nature. We have to get into the forests. We have to breathe the forest air. And there are so many chemicals, positive uh, chemicals that that are beneficial to our mind and our bodies. And and research has shown that if you go into the forest and you just simply walk and you breathe in the the chemicals that are emitted from the trees and the plants and the flowers, you're blood pressure drops, um, your your cortisol levels drop. um, And so I've been doing a lot of being in nature especially since march 2020 when we went into lockdown from uh the pandemic and i found for myself what kept me sane was going out in nature and hiking as often as i could um so that is what keeps me grounded is is being one with nature taking care of nature and doing what i can for for nature and the animals that inhabit it birds especially thank you shanda
1: so Wild Birds Unlimited podcast and then Jill's like, no, step away from the media, like no media, get out into the forest. Um, and yes, certainly. Yeah, I'm, I'm raising my hand on that one. One of the recent yes. conversations we had um, on this on this podcast series was with Floro Kubelo out of Finland. has a really interesting program um where he works to plant trees to offset carbon emissions and he's a tree lover too we talked about nurse trees um so we'll we'll find a link to forest bathing you don't even need a link people just go outside and be in the trees um so thank you and Rachel, for our close, right back at you. What are three, I'll I'll say media in quotes, like what are three recommendations, right, for nurse climate champions?
0: Yeah, thanks, Shanda. Um, I definitely resonate with um, finding healing in nature um, and that's something that I prioritize for myself as much as I can in my super urban environment. Um, And I think, uh, well, as far as media choices, I would recommend Mary Oliver for poetry, and um, she definitely channels the natural world in her work, uh, which I really enjoy. Um, podcast I'm enjoying lately is called Feminist Wellness. Um, like Jill, I, in doing this work, I have a really strong need to prioritize my own self healing. I mean, to show up, um, to show up and be the person I need to be. Um, for my team and for the work that I'm doing, um, I really have to prioritize my own healing and and that podcast, Feminist Wellness, helps me do that. Um, And for reading, I highly recommend My Grandmother's Hands, um, written by Resmaa Manicum. He's a a trauma therapist um, located here in the Twin Cities and um, tackles racism uh, through somatic practices. And I I feel like that work is really transformational um, and has been really important in my journey. So would like to lift up my grandmother's hands and that's all I got. Which is a lot,
1: Rachel, Jill. um, It was an honor to spend this time with you today. I'm so delighted to know the two of you, our patients, humans on the planet, the planet. We're all grateful to you and the work that you do to be advocates of a healthier place for us all to live. Um, So you heard it from them, folks. I encourage you to investigate um, ways that you can be a climate nurse, ways that you can be an environmental health hero in, in whatever your role is. And don't be afraid to Stick your neck out and ask for what you want, and find a place where you can be a nurse um, in a non traditional way that has an even bigger impact than you ever could have imagined. So as we close, um, we're getting close to the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments virtual summit in about a month uh, at the end of May. So we'll include a link to check that out. I'm sure we will have many nurses just like Jill and Rachel um, spending time with us during that summit over a couple of days. And then of course, there is also Clean Med, which is sponsored by Healthcare Without Harm a few days before that in person in Kansas City. So Rachel, Jill, thank you both again. I appreciate all that you had to share today and look forward to being in touch with you again soon.
2: Thank you, Shanda. It was an honor being here today. Rachel, delightful to meet you. Thank you for all you do.
0: Yes, thank you so much, Shanda, for the invitation. And likewise, Jill, just such a pleasure to meet you.
1: Thank you Shanda, Rachel, and Jill. It was a joy to listen to your stories and understand your calling to environmental nursing and how you each have found ways to live true to yourselves and your calling. It is really motivating. And thank you to Shanda Demarest for insightful questions and exploration. And thank you all for listening and please tune in for upcoming podcasts highlighting nurse climate champions. Check us out at envirn.org and please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast.